0: Hi, and now broadcasting from Kent Street in Sydney, uh, Australia. You are listening to the all-new Bip Show, Season Five, Episode Twelve. I think. Don't forget to hit subscribe, rate us wherever you get your podcast. And a reminder that all the financial information in this podcast is general in nature. Only speak to a professional advisor about your needs. Speaking of which, my name is James Whelan. I am the investment manager at VFS Group, overseeing a whole bunch of stuff. Paul Colgan, uh, we wish him the best. He wanted to be here. He is stuck in the rain, waiting for a cab from the. Uh, from from his house from the airport to try and get over here to Kent Street. We wish him soon. All the way back fresh-faced and bushy-tailed from Davos. This episode is being recorded on the 7th of October, my goodness already, 2022 A.D. The time is 12.34 p.m. post-Meridian and... When when, when we're still unsponsored because of the the good people on the internet, Uh, but you are going to love the next sponsor that we've got lined up. They're an absolute cracker, and I'm really looking forward to working with them on that. Don't forget, uh, like I said, subscribe to the show. Guest today, Senior Economist with REA Group, Eleanor Cray. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers. She's a big fan of mine too, I believe. Uh, REA is the largest listing platform in Australia. They have the best insight into buying and selling habits of the Australian property market, and their real-time machinations are of great use to us today, Eleanor. How are you? Now?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh,
0: good to fa- be here, fantastic. It's good. It's the afternoon on Friday. You know what that means. Um, let's just shoot the breeze. Um, nothing that Australians love doing. Talking more about property. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say property with a D from now on, the way that people spell it on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and and exactly
1: the Barbie to do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it, there is no bigger conversation that's going on. Even when things are good, people talk about property, and now things are. Well, maybe not as amazing as people think. I don't know. Has there been much going on in the property space at the moment?
1: Just a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, things have changed pretty quickly since last year. We've rebalanced fast off those extremely elevated activity levels we saw throughout much of the COVID period.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, I mean, for the most part, we're still above 2019 levels. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, a, a quick market wrap first uh, before we get into that, because which will help lead into everything, because everything that's going on now is obviously about rates and everything that's going on in the market is based on rates changing, valuations changing. That's also happening in the property market. Credit where it's due, you've got to pay respects to the great man, guest on the show multiple times. He's a big fan of mine as well. I'm a big fan of his too. I've got a lot of love for this guy. Uh, Shout out to Gareth Ed from CBA who called the 25 basis point hike on Tuesday by the RBA to perfection. He he put it at a 60%. Uh, chance with a forty percent for fifty basis points and really put it out there. Copped a lot of flack for it, and then he came in, came in true. So that's great. And the, and the best part is that he's not on Twitter to go and get all gloaty about it. So this is, <laughs> so uh, but he, uh, but he absolutely called it. CBA, fantastic. Um, pay attention to what he says when he's talking about rates because he's been right across this from day one, and he will continue to be right across this uh, from there. The market is on tender hooks at the moment in the US, uh, especially based on on seeing more negative data, but then also seeing that backed up by the Fed to see where they're going to pivot. What we saw on Monday and Tuesday, that 5.6% in, uh, increase in the market uh, was an amazing rally. Huge short squeeze has now sort of fuzzed out a little bit. That was the best start to a quarter since 1938. That is a, a, a little preview to, for what's going to happen when j Powell actually does say, we're now ready to stop hiking as aggressively as we were talking about. The market will, will absolutely ramp up. However, that has not happened yet so I'm just advising people or general advising people whatever it is uh, to just don't get too caught up in the in the in the headlines saying that that we're expecting a fed pivot until they actually say it they've said they're going to be aggressive so if you charge into the market now do not be surprised if you do your dough on another massive leg down that's what I'm saying now in the property space what is what is the rate signals telling you for for what's ahead first off Eleanor prop track um, is is how you gauge uh, home prices, your home price index. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us about what it's showing you in the market now.
1: Certainly. So um, PropTrack is the data arm of REA, powered by all the um, all the incredible wealth of audience data um, and property market data that we have at our fingertips. So the PropTrack Home Price Index, which was uh, launched this year, is currently showing us that on a national level, home prices are down 3.4% from their peak in March. Mm-hmm. Now, they're down a little bit more in the larger, more expensive markets, Sydney and Melbourne. In Sydney, they're down a little over um, 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we did see that even though prices continued to fall last month, so throughout September, it was actually the smallest pace of price falls we've seen since prices began to fall.
0: Yeah, that's, so that's not so bad. I, but I, if you look at the change since I'm looking at the, at the data that, you, that, that I've got here as well with you, the change since March 2020, Sydney is still up 24%
1: exactly. And I think it's uh, really important to put the price falls that we're seeing at the moment in the context of what we've seen over the past couple of years. So, you know, even if prices continue to correct, and we we expect they are going to continue to do so. Mm -hmm. So although we saw a smaller than expected hike from the RBA this week, borrowing capacities have still been constrained by more than 20%. And that will continue to weigh on prices, certainly throughout um, the period ahead. But in most parts of the country, even after this downturn, or after this correction has kind of washed through, property prices are still likely to be up on pre-pandemic levels. You can see that um, just pulling out another example here: regional areas still up close to fifty percent on um, levels seen in March 2020.
0: Yeah, I'm looking here. So yeah, regional areas yeah, almost 46.6 yeah, percent increase since March 2020, and only down not even two percent from exactly. the
1: peak. Yeah,
0: that's 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 regional areas. So what do you what what goes into this index to show you? Uh, to show you these numbers, I mean, obviously that's just pricing that's there. So, what else are you seeing that? Um, so, what other data do you look at uh, to to tell you what it is that you need to know here? So, it's um, search volumes. Do uh, you look at through there? Oh, what? what, what REA Group has a, lot of, has a lot of data and has a lot of users, has a lot of certainly access to does. a lot of data. Tell us, yep. what do yep. you see? Let's get into that yes. a little yeah. bit. So yeah. we've yeah. seen That's that right. um,
1: the housing market has certainly slowed very quickly as interest rates have quickly risen. Yep. It's not really a surprise. It's the fastest tightening cycle since 1994. Financial conditions have tightened very quickly. Yep. That's clearly going to weigh on an interest rate-sensitive sector such as um, property. Now, uh, we have seen that uh, search volumes have slipped quite a decent amount since last year. Um, So actually in September, down almost 20% on levels seen in September last year. Uh, But maybe, you know, a little bit of the fact that we've had quite a few public holidays throughout September, potentially having a little bit of an impact there um and obviously search volumes is is overall search volumes it doesn't strip out what we call the the dreamers who are the people that are sort of browsing real estate listings as a hobby which we know so many australians love to do so i just don't
0: understand it at all (laughs) but yes i know it's it's a great pastime isn't it it's that and the football scores well okay sorry i interrupted there
1: um so when we strip out those dreamers, so we actually have an index that we track here um, on the the PropTrack economics team, and it's what we call our potential buyers index. So that uses a very complex data science model. It's much smarter than I am. Um, And it tracks uh, what we deem those people as being high intent prospective purchasers or people that are kind of closer to making their property decisions. There's a number of different behaviours that go into that, uh-huh. um, that determine their engagement with particular listings. Yes. Um, so we strip out those people that are looking at mansions, looking for their dream home, browsing pretty pictures um, and we really focus on those people that are close or, or that the, the data science model deems as close to making their purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. Now when we look at um, that index, we can see that um, potential buyer demand is is around off around 6% from levels seen earlier this year and still well above levels seen in in 2019. Now, that is also countered by the fact that we've seen a lot more listings coming to market this year. So the pace of new listings has been incredibly strong. It's actually, if we look at the first half of this year, it was the busiest first half for new listings since 2015. And um, in August, we saw... uh, a large increase in the total number of properties available for sale. It was actually the largest increase since 2010. So we've got this moderation in buyer demand, but that's also been paired with the fact that we've got a lot more listings coming to market. So there's a lot more choice out there. So if you're looking to sell your property, what you probably want to be thinking about is actually that potential buyer demand per listing to really gauge how much interest is out there, kind of per property, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: and I, I'm, a lot of these, a lot of these listings is going to be people going, We've just got to try and and, and get out. We see that it's dropping now. We want to try and get what we can. Uh, and, but that will be met, in my view, that will be met by buyer by buyer demand of people just going now. Is that this is the price point that I'm okay to buy a house. And yeah, I know I mean
1: potentially. And I think but I think when you think about people kind of wanting to get out or sell now, most um people that are selling are also buyers in the same market. That's so whilst they might get um less for their property or perceivedly get less for their property over the next couple of months, yep. the property they're also buying is likely to be worth less also. So I guess in net terms, they're no better or worse off and potentially actually at the moment, given that we are seeing that more expensive property, uh, more expensive regions and properties are seeing larger price falls, um, that's potentially beneficial for those that are out there at the moment looking to upgrade.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, yes, the upgraders are an interesting one. What about days of listing? Because I remember, I remember ages ago when I was looking at property stocks, like REA, um, it was a big thing that when you have a bit of a correction in the in the property market, the day it's actually that the stocks like REA do become a bit of a buy because of, that people need to push their properties more. They need to be on that they're on the website more, so they actually need to keep them paying. So that's sort of a, a bit of a bull case for REA in that correction. Are you seeing any difference in the, the the length of time that things are up online?
1: Yeah, I mean that's certainly an, an interesting. Um... An interesting point and it's one that we do track very closely yeah. and so we know that there are fewer buyers out there and they're competing for an increased number of properties available for sale now that's brought a lot more balance to the market so we wouldn't yeah. characterize last year as um, I guess an extreme seller's market it was very competitive for buyers people had to move very quickly if they found a property available for sale that matched their preferences we know that for much of last year lockdown's restrictions really reduced vendors preparedness to list and coupled with um, the large price rises we were seeing, it was a a very intense and competitive market for buyers. Mm. That's shifted quite dramatically as interest rates have quickly risen and as we've seen a a huge amount more listings coming to market. That does mean that um, that's brought a lot more balance. There isn't that fear of missing out anymore. Buyers have more uh, time to make decisions, a little bit more time to negotiate, and that is seeing um, properties taking longer to sell. So we've seen that that's been a trend throughout much of this or really over the past few months um, yeah. as the market has cooled the number of days on site that a property is listed on realestate.com.au before it's sold has gradually picked up so in September uh, at a national level the median days on site was 44 days.
0: Okay that's uh, okay so that's going kind of, uh, th- there there's another little point that as well as trying to think that people have been pre-appro- pre-approved for a mortgage as well, and those pre-approvals are now starting to expire, or are about to expire. And now, I wish—I really wish—I had those numbers in front of me of exactly where that expiry point came. But at a point, people have to go. We have to make a purchase now because if we have to go and renew this thing, we're not going to get renewed on these new numbers. And that's 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 a thing that's sort of on the horizon. Speaking of what's up ahead, if we may now talk about what's up ahead, what's your view? On going forward for the market, actually, with anything that's really specific, with with regard to the RBA, what they're doing, I don't know if you've got a view on on that. If it's better than Gareth Aird, I mean, we're not asking; <laughs> it's, it's not that sort of a competition that's in there. Um, but what's what's uh, what's RIA's view on, on what the rate market is going to be doing?
1: I don't know if we can top Gareth Ed. You on can't solve it, but
0: it's okay. All we can do is try. That's no, it's right.
1: That's it. We can always give it our best <laughs> yeah, crack. Um, yeah. look. So we were expecting that the RBA would hike by fifty basis points um, this week, yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, it's been our expectation that the terminal rate would top out at three point one percent. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's and when
1: so that's a little bit less aggressive than certainly market expectations and and some of the other forecasters yeah. that are out the, there at the moment.
0: To get to that point, or oh, sorry, to not get to the point that everyone else is talking about, you would need we'd need to see a real reason for the RBA to, to pivot? Is there, is there going to be anything that's outside the property market that to, to, you think? I mean, this is an ad hoc question, but do you think that there's going to be anything out there, like a recession, for example, that everyone, everyone at the golf club, you know, they're, they're my main finger on the pulse, the, the old guys at the golf club. James, it, it, are we in a recession at the moment? It's like, does it feel like we're in a recession at the moment? We're sitting here drinking $7 Carlton drafts. Like, what <laughs> What what recession do you see ahead of us right now? Um, but it, like anyway, that's that's the legitimate question. What recession yeah, do you look, see? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I think recession is probably a risk we can. It looks like we, we're going to be able to avoid. Yeah. I think there are a few factors kind of on the horizon that probably allow the RBA to be somewhat less aggressive. Uh, so, number one, inflation isn't as high here as it is elsewhere in the world. Wages um, growth has also been very slow to pick up yeah. and is also relatively modest um, in comparison to, to other parts of the world right now. That probably uh, that gives the RBA a little bit of leeway mm. to be a little bit less aggressive. Um, I think there's also a number of factors out there on the horizon that are pointing to um, inflation pressures coming off uh, potentially pretty quickly um, in in the first half of next year. Um, And we could be looking at maybe a pretty different scenario when it comes to inflation. So we know already that shipping costs, freight costs are are on the the down. Um, We're also seeing reports out of the US that um, retailers are sitting Mm. with large excess inventories, Mm. um, particularly now with Global demand kind of starting to come off a little bit. That's likely also to add to those disinflationary pressures. We know that commodity prices have come off um, highs quite significantly as well. And China growth is slowing pretty fast. Uh, Eurozone growth is slowing. Growth in the UK is slowing. The US is already in a technical recession. So there's a number of factors out there pointing to the fact that those inflation pressures could start to ease off. Um, and potentially that is going to feed into the fact that the RBA don't need to be quite so aggressive.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that as well. Funny, I've been banging the drum about the shipping costs as well for the last week or two, um, and even longer than that, and the data that was out while I was away last week, I I was sort of getting buried in a lot of the data on shipping costs. 40-foot box from Shanghai to the west coast of of the US has come off about 72%, 74%, Mm. I think announced about 80% off from its peak. And in fact, the average cost of getting a forty-foot box from China to the West Coast of the US is now back to lower than where it was. Yeah, in COVID. back to
1: pre-pandemic levels. So there's no yep. pand-
0: the pandemic. The COVID is gone. So <laughs> I, I, I'm seeing all of these things are just going. It's this is back to those levels. That's back to those levels. Why? Why is inflation still so stubbornly high? And when we when do we start to see a snapback? What's your view on the inflation cycle as well? Like, do you do you have a timeline on that? I've got a timeline. I'm asking
1: you what your timeline is. Yeah, so I think we'll probably, we'll probably see another strong inflation print mm. coming up. Um, but we've got to remember that this data comes with a lag, right? Yeah. So I think by the time we're sitting comfortably in the first quarter, sec- second quarter of next year, we're going to see those pressures coming off. And a lot of those leading indicators, as we've kind of gone through, are already coming off quite materially.
0: Yeah, and that's the, that's I'm seeing that as well. It's just that lag that needs to come through. What we're going to get, because people, people want me to talk about the market as well, so sorry for jumping in and talking about my shop as well, but what we're about to see, especially in the States, is the lag effect not only that's going to hit inflation, like shipping costs and supply costs, commodity costs, all those input factors that were jacking prices right up, that were really killing people, now that's that's coming back, that's reversing. We are also going to see what what they're calling an earnings recession for companies in the States. And here... Sort of as well, but mostly in the States, where the, the biggest market in the world. So, that earnings recession is going to come through in the next quarter. That's when people are going to freak out, potentially. Touch wood going to be the bottom of the market, and then we can charge back in and have your perfect 60 40 portfolio at the same time as the Fed will pivot as well. So, that's why I think that January, February are probably the best times Sounds to get Sounds like so you've got it all
1: like laid a, out. Piece of,
0: <laughs> piece of cake. Just, yeah, it's, the only thing's missing is actually now just having to wait this out and just do it and not jump into it too quickly.
1: You
0: that get that Santa rally? <laughs> we always get a Santa rally. And, and, you know, the market is always strongest in October and November in midterm years. They're really strong uh, strong months. September, August, September are usually quite weak. And we're in a midterm year. The market has every reason to. Every reason to rally. We just need the Fed to, to, just to take it easy or to say that they're not going to be so aggressive.
1: Powell to throw in a towel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not even throw the towel, just to hold a towel. This is what the <laughs> towel looks like. I will use it one day. And then everyone will be like, great. And then the, the, the shorts will get squeezed again. The market goes up 10% in a week. Everyone's going to be happy and then we can all go to Christmas.
1: Yeah, I guess we got a little bit of a teaser of it It was that. just
0: that teaser. was just, just so good, wasn't it? A lot yeah. of people got very exuberant about it. I was just like...
1: Although I think, unfortunately, the RBA are a little lone rangers or ahead of the curve relative to other central banks. I was
0: blown away, and this is just so hilarious. I was blown away by uh, listening to my, one of the podcasts that I listen to every day just to give me the update on what's happened in the, in the night before is the, one of the Wall Street Journal ones. And it was a couple of podcasts I listened to just in the one to give me the, the, the spiel of the overnight markets. And it was um, the market rallied. So the Tuesday night, the US market rallied on the back of the RBA decision to only go 25 basis points. So just thinking, I've never heard a dumber investment thesis in my entire <laughs> life for, for charging into markets than that.
1: People are desperate to extrapolate that. <laughs> so right not, now. Don't follow us. Don't do
0: it. <laughs> We've done. I was trying to find a good metaphor to, when I was as I was writing for what other dumb things that the that the rest of the world has followed us into erroneously. I was thinking shrimps on the Barbie, budgie smugglers on the beach, <laughs> young young Einstein. Like those awful movies that we did, Crocodile Dundee. I, I, I couldn't find anything that was just truly truly ridiculous like 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 markets rallying on the back of the rba only raising by 25 basis points
1: no i don't know if i can help you there off no, the top of my head
0: nothing coming in now let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about rental market because there's a lot of people who were on the sidelines of the market of the of, of buying and actually charging into um of owning their own home that are renting Now, you have said that the rental market is quite interesting, so I'm just going to let you go on on this one. Where is it and where is it going? Cool, let's do it. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, finding a rental property at the moment is incredibly tough for um, would-be tenants. There's yep. a, a lot of competition and there really isn't much choice out there, which is one of the kind of key drivers of the intense competition that we're seeing in the, in the rental market at the moment and intense rental price pressures. Um, so in the last quarter, weekly rental prices rose 4.3%. Now, that's the strongest quarterly rate of rental growth on record and that's 10.3% year on year. So rental prices in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, all experiencing the fastest year on year growth on record um, when it comes to rental prices. So I think for renters or would be renters at the moment, number one, it's incredibly tough to find um, an available rental. Number two, incredibly tough to find an available rental that's in budget. So why are we seeing those rental price pressures? And now that's because the the supply of available rentals is incredibly constrained at the moment. Mm. So on a national level, we're seeing that the total number of properties available for rent on realestate.com.au is down around a third on pre-pandemic levels. In some regions, down um, close to 40%. Um, So that means there's much less choice out there. Mm. Uh, That means that um, properties are renting out incredibly quickly. So pretty much Australia-wide in in most regions, most capital cities, most regional areas, um, rental days on site are at or close to record lows. And it's really this uh, constrained supply or supply crunch that's seeing those incredibly strong rental price pressures. Um, So, I, I mean... What's up? I guess the the leading question on that is what's up next for the rental market, yeah. or is there any kind of material increase in supply coming down the pipeline? I don't,
0: how would that happen?
1: Exactly, um, and I think that that's that's the big issue at the moment when yeah. it comes to the to the rental market is that without a material increase in supply, um, these rental price pressures are, are going to r- remain. So why have we seen um, such a crunch in supply. So we've uh, had an effect over the past few years um, where I guess, investment in the property market or or the investment proposition has deteriorated somewhat for for private investors. And we've seen that a lot of people have sold up over the past few years, Mm. potentially also taking advantage of the capital gains that have been made. Um, Now, if those properties are sold to unoccupied buyers, there's clearly no net change. But there's a few other impacts um, in the fact of um, investors taking their properties out of the long-term rental pool and onto short-term platforms like Airbnb and the like. Um, potentially less household uh, or less sharing,
0: mm. less
1: some um, households sharing with people engaging in kind of remote work practices, wanting a little bit more space at home, um, and of course now the borders have reopened, the return of international students and and um, for, uh, migrant workers as well. Um, so without, I guess. Uh, more investors kind of coming, returning to the market, and we, we aren't seeing at the moment that investors are coming back to the market in um, levels or large enough numbers to significantly increase that pool of long term rentals. Um, these rental price pressures are unfortunately likely to remain. Oh,
0: that's brilliant news uh, for us. Have you got any other? Have you got any good news now to, to just to wrap it up?
1: Well, I guess the good news is uh, for investors uh, with property prices slowing, um, rental price pressures increasing. That does uh, generate upward pressure on gross rental yields. So potentially that investment proposition um, could be relatively attractive for some people. Um, Other kind of ways that we can ease uh, rental price pressures or ease the burden, um, probably Commonwealth Rent Assistance is one way we can do that, alleviating the burden of price pressures for low-income renters and also probably supporting the build-to-rent sector a little bit more um, in terms of uh, really adding to the pool of long-term rentals, although that's something that's an adjustment process that would play out over the next few years or so.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And it is getting to a point where the market will go, okay, this is as far as interest rates are going. Um, Property prices have come down an amount which makes it you know you know that they can see a certain number again so if you want to talk about it as an investment property and with the rent increasing I mean it's it it, it, it does become a decision where you know what that's that's actually going to get get to a very viable condition so and in regional areas that haven't really gone backwards either
1: yeah, yeah. exactly right yeah, yeah. Um,
0: that's uh, that's uh, look if there's anything else then I'll wrap it up with that amazing news <laughs> I've tried, I've, I always try to put a bullish spin on it just to, just to finish it off because no one wants to finish a podcast and just go, oh, well that's that's great. It's all staffed. Yeah. Is it all staffed? No. Are we okay? We're good? We good? We're good. Yeah. We're done? Yeah. You're finished? I'm going to yeah. finish the podcast now. Huh? You can find us on uh, iTunes at The Bip Show uh, wherever you get your podcast You'd know that because you are listening to this podcast, which means that you must have been to one of those places anyway. I don't even know why we still say that. We're on Twitter at the underscore Bip underscore show. Eleanor is on Twitter, but she never tweets for some reason because she's sensible. Uh, Eleanor underscore Cray, I believe you are there as, as well. We're on Facebook too for some reason, not sure why. Short meta is the best play of the day, um, and that's general advice. So there, um, I've got the website, which is going to have all the extras linked to you, linked to the, uh, to the data that you've talked about here as well. The stuff on rent is fantastic. Um, individually on Twitter, I'm James Whelan42. The show is produced by Drunken Monkeys. As always, Eleanor, Cray, REA Group. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.